The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. Uh, This week is going to be a little bit different on the format. I'm not going to do uh, an interview with someone, I'm going to do sort of a QA. and a um, but it's really, I'm going to be taking a, a couple of the really similar questions that I've gotten recently and kind of talk about that. A lot of them revolve around how intimidating it is to be a, a piercer younger in their career and kind of deal with these, these huge personalities in the industry and deal with this pressure that you feel about trying to meet someone else's goals and standards. You know, I'm not talking about APP standards, something that's, you know, based in science and, you know, kind of a minimal standard that you you build on. I'm talking about, you know, when you see all these really cool posts on Instagram with this really fancy jewelry or these really difficult placements and people make it seem like they could do that just coming right out of the womb. Like, you know, that they were born this amazing piercer and that uh, they always just had this amazing jewelry and resources and things. And, you know, it's a, it's a struggle along the way for a lot of different people, uh, myself included. So I'm going to talk a, a good amount about uh, how I started introducing new jewelry into my studio. A lot of the, the things I was doing earlier in my career, the things that I would consider mistakes now, and the things that if I could go back in time, you know, I'd maybe want to mentor myself and say, okay, maybe don't put your money here, put your money here and, and think about what your priorities should be. It was uh, it was a struggle along the way, and I just want to kind of share some of the the things I've learned, and hopefully that can that can help out some of those other piercers that might feel a, a little bit intimidated. Uh, I got all these questions off of an anonymous Google form that I've been mentioning uh, lately on the show. So if you're ever interested in contributing to the show and you you feel kind of intimidated to send an email or a message if we don't already know each other, if we haven't spoken before. You can fill out this anonymous Google form. You can give me ideas on subjects for the show. You can tell me who you think uh, I should be interviewing. And you can share different stories. I've added a couple different fields on that form where you can talk about maybe mistakes you've learned from or, or different things in the studio. So you can find that anonymous Google form at piercingwizardpodcast.com. It's going to be right up at the top. And I'm going to share it every now and then on the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page too. So keep an eye out for that and contribute to the show. If uh, if you think that you know you'd you'd feel more comfortable sending me an email or sending me a Facebook message or even just calling me at my shop, go ahead. Uh, the email is ryanpba@gmail.com, and I'm open. Uh, I'm I'm definitely always open to any sort of uh, input or constructive criticism. Just a few things I, I want to talk about on the show before we kind of start getting into the content is uh, I, I think I might start doing some advertisements on the show. I, I put a post on Facebook asking an opinion and overwhelmingly people said, yeah, sure, why not have why not have ads on there? A few people said, no, don't, don't do ads, don't sell out. Uh, but I just want to kind of qualify what I meant by advertising. I'm not going to have like me undies ads or blue chew boner pill ads or anything like that uh, if i'm going to take any sort of sponsors for the show i think i'm, I'm just going to be comfortable with vendors i actually use in the shop you know so i've, I've had a couple different people approach me for products that you know I, I know that they're quality products but i don't personally use them because i i'm more comfortable with a, a different vendor so those situations maybe i'll just you know invite the person on as a guest and just kind of have them talk about their product and why they believe in it you know there are a lot of different things out there that are great uh, but I, I'm just kind of set in my ways and I'm, I'm comfortable with, you know, B over C over A over whatever, you know, but there's nothing wrong with those other things for, for other shops. And uh, there are some great products out there. And I want to make sure that the people that are working hard to move products you can believe in get get heard, you know, and get get some exposure and, and get in those shops and, and support the industry. So, you know, things might change over the next couple of weeks or months, but I'm not going to be gratuitous about it. I'm not going to whore myself out to products I don't believe in or anything like that. But you might hear a couple of ads coming up in the, uh, the not too distant future. 
Um, you're definitely going to hear ads for me when I, uh, when I shill my classes and my shirts and all that stuff. So get ready for it because I've got a couple classes and shirts to talk about. Uh, I just released this, uh, this new Statum cult shirt. Uh, it's really cool. I, I like it. Uh, Sam, our tattoo apprentice in the shop, drew it for me. Uh, I gave her some input and she, she really knocked it out of the park with this one. I think it's really cool. It's kind of like a little, um, mystical altar thing based off of a statum. It says statum cult. And I am definitely part of the statum cult. I remember when uh, I first started hearing about statums, it was very much kind of like a, a cult kind of a buzz. You know, there were, there weren't many people that, that could afford one or that had access to one in the studio. Uh, when I, when I first heard of them, you know, this was maybe, 10 or 12 or maybe 15 years ago. I don't know. Uh, and they just seemed like this really cool space age thing. And I was lucky enough to, to get one eventually and totally changed the dynamic in my studio. So I totally love it. And uh, I just wanted to kind of be cheesy and just say that like, yeah, it kind of is a cult, but you know, it's kind of a cool cult to be a part of. And, uh, uh, so maybe buy my t-shirt. I don't know. I guess the long way around that you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash shop and you can check out the t-shirt. Uh, but it sold really well. I sold like more than half of them the first day that I put them up. So I already had to reorder for the people that are asking uh, if I'm going to be bringing them to conference. Yeah, I'll, I'll have some there. I'm not going to have a lot though. So if, uh, if you want one of those, either buy it on my web shop now while I still have some in stock there. I've got small through 2x available. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely have some with me at a conference too, if you're interested and anybody that buys one, they get a free sticker of it too, blah, blah, blah. Uh, two classes, and I've mentioned them before, but um, they're actually going to be opening up for uh, registration if they haven't already by the time this episode posts. I've got Monday, July 8th in Dallas, Texas. I'm just going through the final confirmation on the venue there. Uh, I'm actually just renting a, a conference space in a hotel, and I'm going to be staying in the same hotel. So uh, Monday, July 8th in uh, Dallas, Texas, and that's going to be the the understanding and applying freehand piercing techniques class. Uh, I would love to get some people out there and it's Dallas. So, you know, if people wanted to maybe even come down from Oklahoma or, or from Louisiana or something like that, you know, I was thinking about Austin at first, but I wanted to make it a little bit more accessible to, to some people outside of Texas. Uh, Cause Texas is goddamn gigantic. I never really noticed it until I really looked at a map and like the driving distance for El Paso. It's like, Jesus, it's like on the other side of the planet. Um, Another class that is open for registration right now is going to be Monday, July 15th in Amsterdam, Holland. Uh, I think that one's going to be really fun. I wanted to just kind of go somewhere for my birthday, which is July 16th. And I was thinking Amsterdam. I don't know why exactly I picked Amsterdam. Honestly, like I've been there before. Um, the, the flights aren't like crazy cheap, so I'm not entirely sure where I picked it, why I picked it, but I'm, I'm glad I did, you know, just kind of change the scenery and get out and do something fun. And I'm going to add on a class to that trip. So Monday, July 15th, and that's going to be the, the new seminar where it's not going to be just one subject. It's going to be a couple different things in one day. So I'm going to do a little work on anatomy for the body piercer. I'm going to be doing my uh, septum where skill meets luck class. And I'm going to be doing my new nipple piercing concept class, the one that I debuted at the, the Boston Tattoo Convention. So it'll be a full day, uh, about six hours roughly. Each individual class is going to be somewhere around an hour and a half, two hours with some breaks. And uh, it's going to be at a nice venue. It's going to be kind of like a, a conference space in a, in a restaurant. So um, there'll, there'll be you know lunch and food and drinks uh, available during the class. But it's just going to be kind of a relaxed environment, not going to be in a shop, no live work. It's going to be lecture and video and stuff like that. But I think it's going to be really good. I'm looking forward to that one. I think it should be fun. So check out all that stuff. Uh, precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars for all the info there. Or you can like the Body Art Education by Ryan Willett Facebook page. I've got way too much synergy going on. I've just got like websites and Facebook pages out the ass lately. Uh, so thank you for putting up from putting up with me for all that. You know, I know I'm talking about like, oh, maybe I'll add sponsorship, but I realized that like I've been doing my own commercials on this show for quite a while, but uh, that's okay. Cause I'm the one that pays for all this show and hosting and editing and sitting here in my, in my home office, in my Zubas on my day off uh, editing all this stuff. So you can, you can deal with me talking about shirts and, and, shirts and seminars a little bit. Uh, so before I get into that uh, jewelry talk, talk about piercer intimidation, talk about different steps that I took, I did the Boston Tattoo Convention recently and I recorded a little bit of info while I'm there, you know, maybe like 10 minutes of content just kind of talking about the process of it, the logistics of it, and then, you know, how busy it was and all that stuff. So uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a, a short recap on the Boston Tattoo Convention and then I'm going to get into those questions. 
So I'm at the Boston Tattoo Convention uh, 2019. I got my Dexter Kill Room vinyl tent booth set up. Uh, I used to just do open air at conventions, but it feels kind of gross sometimes, you know, when everybody's just shirtless and bleeding and walking around. So I like to have my own little uh, piercing universe, basically. So plastic floor, plastic walls, I can do total privacy for... You know, if people want genital piercings or nipple piercings or whatever, not that you do a lot of those at a convention, but, you know, when people ask for it, you want to be able to, to do it, you know, and give them a little bit of privacy. But today was pretty good. The load-in is always just, like, hectic for any kind of tattoo convention, so I had to sit in a, a line of cars for about an hour to unload and a loading dock and then, you know, checked into the hotel and got my license and got the whole booth set up and all the jewelry. I brought a, a, a lot of gold, a lot of different end pieces. Um, not a lot of body piercers here this year. Uh, sometimes there are piercers that do kind of the, the lower end, lower price piercing, thinking that they're going to grab a lot of those uh, casual piercing people, and maybe they will, maybe they won't, but, you know, uh, people come by this booth and they, they see, you know, the effort that I put into it, so I, I usually get the lion's share of the business here. Boston Tattoo Company's here, Brian Moeller and uh, Akio are, are here piercing. And, you know, they're, they're doing uh, similar jewelry and sterilizers and all that stuff. So it's good to know that there are other uh, APP members at, at an event like this. Um, tomorrow, it should be pretty crazy. Today's Friday, the first day. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. Tomorrow is usually like the crazy back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back for several hours kind of day. I think last year I did something like 30 or 40 piercings on Saturday. And tomorrow, you know, I'd be shocked if I did less than 20. But we'll see how it goes. I'm not greedy. Um, you know, it's been good clients today. That's the, the, the main thing. You know, sometimes people in, a, in an environment like this, especially if there are a lot of lower price piercers offering kind of questionable work, um, people tend to come here and they look at it, they love the jewelry, and then as soon as I say what the price is, you know, they, they oh, I'll be back in a minute, and they never come back because they're just, they're out there looking for someone who's going to do a, a 30 or $40 piercing. And, you know, luckily here, the convention, I've been coming here for about 15 years, and the convention is pretty cool when it comes to piercing, and they set like a minimum price. You can't charge less than, I think, $50 for a body piercing, so that squeezes out some of those, you know, lower-end people. If people see that I can do a piercing for $70, $75, and somebody else is doing it for $50, and the jewelry's plastic, and, you know, they don't really look at they've got the same kind of cleanliness, uh, they don't really get quite as much business, so it works out pretty good for me. Uh, I'm going to do my class on Sunday, nipple piercings. I've got a, a few late registrants uh, that, that have signed up here, other piercers that are here for the show or other people that are just kind of here hanging out with their shop. So that one should go pretty good. I'm really happy with how my presentation came out. It was really frustrating getting uh, Zuckerberg, and I, I couldn't really talk about nipple piercings on my Facebook page, so it was really difficult to, to advertise for a class like this. But I got a few people. Um, and I'm kind of doing it as like a test, a test program for the offering this this new nipple piercing class when I do seminars on the road. The uh, the freehand one, you know, I've done that for over a year now, and I think I might um, maybe retire that class soon. Maybe I'll do it if it's uh, a region where I've never done a seminar before. But if I'm going to go back to an area, like I, I have plans to go back to Florida in the fall. I think uh, rather than doing one six-hour class, I think I'm just going to stack a few different uh, hour-and-a-half, two-hour-long classes and make it kind of like a full day of curriculum. So uh, this Sunday will be kind of the test pilot for that, and you see the, the response I get from it. But I, I think it's a pretty good class, and it kind of helps me to prep for my also nipple-piercing class at the APP conference with Becky. I still have to finish that. There's a lot of work to go on that one. But everything's going really good here at the convention. Uh, I don't feel super stressed out and frazzled sometimes, like I, I just really break down at these things, but I'm not stressed out. I am massively hungry though, it's like 10.30 at night. I got here at 11 in the morning and all I've had was like a quick little sandwich maybe around 1 o'clock. So there's a cheesecake factory uh, uh, over by the hotel and I am so looking forward to getting a piece of cheesecake and some like just fatty, disgusting, awesome, oily food eat all that, sit around in my hotel room, go to sleep, and then do it all again tomorrow. My counterperson Rob is going to be here with me tomorrow, and it's his first time at a tattoo convention, especially first time working at a tattoo convention. Uh, Sam, our tattoo apprentice, 
wasn't psyched to be here with me last year and she didn't really want to come back and do it again this year so she's manning the the fort she's at the shop with evan tomorrow and it's going to be me and rob here tomorrow and it's going to be kind of trial by fire for him but uh, i think it'll go really well he's got a good head on his shoulders so uh, i'm looking forward to, to tomorrow and uh, it should be pretty fun one of the tattooers from my shop is here nick barbarian he does kind of like a, a one-man band sort of a thing he plays guitar and sings and then he plays drums with his feet and it's pretty hilarious. Uh, folk metal? It, no, wait, not folk metal. What, what does he call it? I don't remember what he calls it. But anyway, it's pretty ridiculous. But he's here, and he's having a good time. He played uh, He played a set earlier, and uh, he's just kind of wandering around, hanging out and chatting with people. He's not tattooing here this weekend. He's just kind of having fun, which I think is really the, the superior plan when you come to a convention like this. Working it is real tiring, real stressful, long hours, not a lot of rest. Um, but... I'm having fun so far, so that's my uh, my check-in at the Boston Tattoo Convention 2019, and I'll, I'll try to pop back on tomorrow, maybe talk to Rob at the end of the day and see how frazzled he got, and uh, maybe talk a little bit with the people that come to the class on Sunday. All right, so it's uh, quarter to ten Sunday night. Uh, I'm done. I packed up everything. I just dropped it all off at the shop. Uh, dumped all of the bio stuff in the processing room for Evan tomorrow and he can set the jewelry back up and all that. Sorry, Evan. Uh, really good weekend. Uh, really busy. Really solid. Uh, Friday went pretty well. The, I mean, the load-in was like ridiculous, but it's always ridiculous like with that many moving parts. Uh, had a good booth location. Set up my like giant vinyl Dexter kill tent thing. Plastic floor, plastic walls, plastic roof, plastic front for privacy. All that stuff, it was great. Uh, There's like a portable hand washing sink, um, all that stuff. So like the health and safety was there, which was really nice. The customers were uh, really receptive to the jewelry. A lot of people in different areas, they, they haven't had exposure to high-end jewelry like that. So it's sometimes it really wows people when they see uh, Body Vision or Anatomental or Leroy or Neometal or Industrial Strength for the first time. You know, it really stands stands out from like the costume jewelry type stuff. So a lot of really good sales, a lot of gold, a lot of upgrades for people with existing piercings. Uh, there was one guy uh, got paired uh, white gold pyramids for healed nostrils and a uh, white gold seam ring for a septum and a cool body vision piece, I think with like a mystic topaz for a filtrum piercing and then another little seven bead flower with uh, maybe like a genuine white opal for a labret piercing. So really cool upgrades there. A uh, bunch of really fun stuff. It was, it was busy, busy, busy. I think all told I had about 60 two-ish clients overall. Some of them got multiple piercings, so which is a lot for me. Um, I know that there are a lot of high-volume shops that can handle that kind of stuff, and it's not a big deal, but doing that out of my shop in a convention with a really limited amount of space uh, it was challenging. Uh, Rob was a huge help. Rob is one of my counter staff, and uh, this was uh, first first tattoo convention for Rob and did really awesome, so uh, way to go, Rob. Uh, the, the seminar went really well, I think. Um, not a ton of people because, again, you know, Facebook algorithms kind of bit me. But a really good group of people. I think the class went pretty well. I think that's going to be part of the next series of seminars that I take on the road. Um, so maybe I can get some constructive criticism from the people that came to the class. Afterward, um, Elizabeth Kent hung out around the booth, watched me do a couple different piercings. I got to do a couple of VCH piercings and a bunch of other stuff, so uh, it was cool to have uh, Elizabeth sit in on, on that stuff. Uh, what else? So, you know, after the class, I pierced for a couple of hours, and some, some cool clients, you know, I, I gave a lot of people free aftercare just for having to wait, and, you know, the, the wait got to, like, almost two hours for some people after the class, because I had to kind of hit the ground running, and I pierced until I completely ran out of sterile gloves, uh, and then that was it, basically. Uh, I, I didn't really have any more prep packs, didn't have any more sterile gloves, so it was like, that's the perfect place to call it. Uh, it packed up all the jewelry roughly. Evan's going to have to do a good amount of sorting tomorrow to get that stuff back in the case. But uh, everything went pretty good. Now I just want to find food in my house. I don't really have a lot of groceries from taking too many trips. So I'm probably going to have cereal for dinner at 10 o'clock. Uh, maybe some pickles. And then I will wake up tomorrow, go to the shop, and help Evan unpack everything and set everything up. 
and get back to piercing. Uh, I'm going to be home for like a day, and then I go to New York for WrestleMania stuff. So uh, really solid weekend, Boston Tattoo Convention 2019, and uh, I guess I'll, I'll do it next year too. Every now and then I get I get some questions. You know, I put up that anonymous Google form on the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page and on the Piercing Wizard Podcast website. And, you know, every now and then I get some messages. And some of the ones that I've gotten lately have been kind of following the same trend. You know, I, I got a couple of different messages on the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page too. And I, I think it's time that I just kind of talk about this subject a little bit. And really all of it just goes into the intimidation factor that younger piercers feel uh, when they're when they're trying to kind of like chase these shadows, the, this like fake persona of these giants in the industry and all that. Uh, so the the first question, uh, the kind of a suggestion for a topic, says, uh, talk about the main fears of a newcomer piercer within an industry of big personalities. So. You know, uh, first off, I'll apologize if I seem like one of those big personalities. You know, when I got into this industry, I I was the kind of person that would see someone at a convention, conference, whatever, and I would I would be way too nervous to talk to them, and I would just follow them around. And I remember kind of stalking Lucas Sapira at this convention back in like 2000, and you know, I really looked up to him. Uh, the scarification work that he was doing and all these different things that I that I saw on BME and I was a fan and I was just way too nervous you know because I was like oh well you know I'm a nobody you know I I'm not I'm not in their league so why would I you know go and disturb their day and talk to them or ask them questions or anything like you know why would it ever why would it ever matter if I was interested in in them and that was my mentality for a long time I kind of kept to my own um, I didn't really have body piercer friends in my area so when I when I wanted body piercing body piercing information I, I went to the internet and you know if you haven't figured this out yet like people are not themselves on the internet they're they're a persona so yeah a lot of people out there they do have big personalities because a lot of it is just marketing you know uh, I, I'm guilty of the same thing you know I kind of put out what I want people to to know you know I, I want people to see me as a professional someone who's out teaching classes and, and putting out good work you know but I'm, I'm also you know a, a person who makes mistakes and screws things up you know just today I had a client come in for a septum piercing and they had a, a pretty significantly deviated septum you know part of my part of my talk with someone for a septum piercing is always like okay you know tilt your chin up let me get a good look let me check it out and it was really uh you know a wonky septum and i i told them you know I'm, i'll do everything within my ability to get it as straight as possible but you know sometimes when the septum's deviated the the piercing will be a little deviated with it are you comfortable with that uh, we went in you know I, I did the piercing and normally my comfort zone is i have them sit up and i do it with septum clamps and you know, I tend to get really good results with that. And this person, uh, it, it was just so deviated that uh, I had them lay down. And, you know, I've seen a lot of my other piercer friends have good results piercing it that way. So I drew some reference marks on the nose and I poked and prodded and did some tissue massage. And I was really confident that, you know, where, where I was lining everything up was going to be nice and straight. Um, needle went through, you know, I feel like it was comfortable for the client, but I, I did, you know, I did it with a circular barbell. And before I even screwed the balls on, uh, I said, well, you know, why don't you get up and check it out in the mirror? It looks like it's it's pretty significantly off. You know, if something is a hair off, uh, I, a lot of times I don't draw the person's attention to it. I say, check it out. What do you think? If they like it, then that's great. Uh, but with this one, it was like, well, you know, I feel like this is a pretty noticeable lean. Take a look at it. Are you comfortable with it? And, you know, the client was like, well, you know, if they think that's the best we can do. And I said, you know, I, I honestly don't. And, you know, I, I don't think I'd, I'd feel okay if you just walked out with this one. So if you're comfortable with it, I would like to, you know, take a second go at it, which is something I really don't do. You know, for, for me, it's like a, if something came out that bad, it's like a pull it, let it heal, come back in a week or two. But with septums, uh, with this one in particular, you know, I was comfortable doing it a second time. So, um, you know, we stopped, I, I statumed a second needle. And while we were waiting for that, I took the jewelry out and did some compression, you know, to make sure there wasn't any significant bleeding or anything. And then needle uh, finished up and uh, I, I pierced and I, I made some corrections and adjustments based on the previous piercing and, and it came out nice. It didn't come out perfect though, but it came out nice, you know, and that's, that's someone with 20 plus years of experience, you know, and you can make, you can make little mistakes. The important thing is when you make a mistake, you'll learn from it. 
you know you don't just blow it off and think like whatever i got the person's money and then you shove them out the door so when you see all these other piercers out there and they're they're just putting out their best possible work on instagram and they're talking about how they're doing all this really cool stuff and they have all this jewelry uh you have to you have to really step back and you have to really see it for what it is it's not someone deciding i want to be a body piercer tomorrow and they're just perfect at it and they have all the jewelry in the world and they have all this experience and you know it's just smooth sailing it's a struggle even the piercers out there that make it look really easy they had to struggle you know not everybody has to struggle to the same ends some people have really great mentoring some people uh, have their apprenticeships in a shop that already has awesome jewelry awesome sterilization but i think a lot of body piercers out there uh, they, they, they really have to work for it and they really have to push for it. So if you're, if you're a body piercer and you're a little bit younger in your career, um, don't, don't think that you have to be one of those Instagram piercers on, on day one. That, that's completely unrealistic in my opinion. Uh, just pay attention to, to what you're doing. You know, take stock of your abilities Take stock of your materials, your logistics, you know, and work out a plan. Work out a six-month plan, a one or a two or a five-year plan. Understand where you want to get and figure out how you get there. You know, you don't put yourself into massive debt. You don't bankrupt yourself. You don't uh, sacrifice your personal relationships, your marriage, your your children, your families, or even your day job. Um, you know, you, you, you work around all that adversity and, and you just keep, you keep working at it and you keep pushing and you'll get there. Uh, but you have to realize that a lot of these body piercers that make it look so smooth and so easy, they're five or 10 or 15 years into a career. It's, it's really not, uh, it's not realistic to think that you're just going to be able to hit the ground running. Um, a lot of the other questions that I've gotten have been kind of in that same vein, you know, uh, talking about different jewelry and, and talking about different intimidation factors. You know, a, a big thing is I meet I meet body piercers all the time at different classes or different trips or something and and they say things like, you know, oh I don't I don't want to tell you what I'm what I'm piercing with or I don't want to tell you this, I don't want to tell you that. And it's not because they're trying to be sneaky. Uh, it's because they're they're embarrassed. They think that I'm going to tear them apart because that's what they see online. Um, they, they go on forums and, you know, you have people talking about like, oh, you know, all these perfect things and all this gold jewelry and all this internally threaded titanium and my anodizer and my statum and my hydrum and all, all this stuff. Um, I want to talk to those body piercers that are using the jewelry that, you know, maybe they, they feel embarrassed about because I did the exact same stuff for a long time in my career. You know, right now, uh, yeah, sure, I'm an APP member and all that stuff. I've been an APP member now for uh, seven years, you know, maybe right around there, uh, maybe eight. And before that, the reason I wasn't a member is because I did not meet membership minimum standards, you know. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a push for me the, the whole way, you know. So if it's, uh, if it's 2019 now, I've been a member for, let's say, seven or eight years, and I started piercing in like 97, you know, so there's a long period of my career where I didn't meet those APP minimum standards. I was doing everything I could. You know, I, I never willfully said, oh, um, I know that I should be doing this, but I'm not going to because I'm cheap or whatever. That That's really never what it was in my career. It was always, I'm doing the best I can with what I can afford uh, and I'm going to save up and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to make baby steps and I'm going to work my way up. And, you know, that's what I did. So when I when I started my shop, uh, it was one one piercing area, one tattoo area. And I, I basically took over a location from uh, a shop that had gone out of business and, and failed. And so I came in and tried to make the improvements I could. Number one, I had to pull up the carpet that was in the workspaces, you know, so I pulled up the carpet and put down, you know, that crappy linoleum stick down tiles, did whatever I could, you know, and uh, my sterilizer, I just had a, a top-loading sterilizer, uh, you know, one of those ones where it's just this big silver monstrosity and you have to screw down the lid and all that stuff. You know, those sterilizers, sure, they kill bacteria, but they're not meant to sterilize what, what we as body artists are, are sterilizing in them. They're not designed for hollow instruments and jewelry or tattoo tubes, and they definitely don't have dry cycles. 
they're not meant to, to sterilize packaged materials, you know, so everything was coming out sopping wet and I would take my, my stuff and I would put it on a countertop and just let it air dry. And, you know, now I, I look back at and I'm like, man, those are the things that we talk about in a, in a class as an example of the things you shouldn't be doing in a studio. And that's, that's the best that I could do at the time. There was one sink other than the bathroom and that was in the tattoo room. And, you know, I'm not, not proud to say it, but you know, that was the, the sink for processing tools. That's where I would scrub tools and, and dump out the ultrasonic and where we'd hand wash, you know, because that, that's it. That's all we had in the shop. It was either that or do it in the bathroom, you know? So where was I going to do it? I was going to do it in the tattoo room. And, you know, that's the best I could do back in like 2000, you know? Uh, so if you're a piercer and you think like, oh, well, I don't have all this perfect stuff, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, and the important thing is just knowing that you can make improvements and that you want to strive and you want to try to move towards those improvements, you know, uh, jewelry is a huge one. I, I, the reason I'm recording this now is because I, I just got a message from someone. Uh, and they, they took one of my seminars a few weeks back. I, I don't want to out them just in case they, you know, they, they'd be embarrassed that, that, uh, you know, I'm mentioning them, but it's for the same kind of thing. And they were like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, I don't have awesome jewelry now, but I'm, I'm making my first Neo metal order and I'm working towards it. And, you know, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to be embarrassed or have you, have you judge me or, or, or think less of me or something. And it's like, no, no, like I, I think so much of body piercers in a situation like that, because you know, the improvements you want to you want to make and you're you're trying and you're pushing you know the the piercers that i'm not psyched to have conversations with are the ones where they're just like yeah i have this and i don't care you know i i, I do meet piercers every now and then where it seems like they're almost uh, kind of willfully holding themselves back they know that there's better out there and they're willfully choosing to not use it and they they kind of see it as almost a point of pride like you know yeah you know i'm not gonna do this stuff that the cool kids say you need and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to tell everybody that they have to be using gold and they have to be using statums and this and that. But yeah, you know, internally threaded is going to be a minimum standard in any conversation that I'm holding, you know. So if it's external thread jewelry and, you know, if that's the best that you can handle right now, that's the best you can afford, but you know that you want to get somewhere else eventually, no problem. I'm right there with you. I'll give you any sort of help and support. You know, but if you're making those conscious decisions of, I'm using external, I know there's better, but I just don't care. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to spend the money. Then those are the piercers, you know, I, I might take a little bit of issue with their mentality and their theory, you know, where, where your priorities are at, you know. Uh, there, there are piercers, though, where uh, they're, they're, they're doing the best they can. They're giving their, their clients the safest piercings they can, and, and they're doing, you know, whatever they can with their budgets. Uh, and, you know, maybe they have in the back of their mind of, you know, eventually I want to save up and I want to get this and I want to get that. And I, I would really love to support those kinds of piercers. You know, when I started, uh, I, I was ordering jewelry out of the back of tattoo magazines. You know, I'd see an ad for some random company. I would order jewelry. No idea what it was made of, the quality of it. It was just like, oh, cool, I can get body jewelry, whatever, you know. At the time, I was buying my needles at a, a local head shop, you know, because there was nowhere for me to get body piercing needles. I, I didn't have access or knowledge of suppliers at the time, you know. So back in like the, the late 90s, it was like, okay, I'll, I'll either go to this head shop or I'll go to this leather shop. I'll get some piercing needles and they'll be in a package. Hopefully they actually already are sterile, you know, and I'd get jewelry and then I would clean the jewelry. I would dunk it in like alcohol or iodine or something like that. And it's like... If you're a body piercer and you've moved past that, you know, and you're using all the cool stuff and whatever, it's really kind of a disservice for you to act like that's the way you've always done it because there are plenty of piercers out there who haven't gotten to that point in their career yet. And I don't want to intimidate them and make them think like, if you're not doing things the way I'm doing it, you're doing it wrong. You know, uh, I, I'd say maybe you could be doing it better, uh, but, you know, it's it's really where do you, do you come from a place of, of trying to... Uh, make improvements or do you come from a place of just being like, yeah, whatever, I'll cut corners. I know that there's better, but whatever, I don't care. Um, I, I got those starter companies and then after a while, I was lucky enough where I started learning about different companies, you know, industrial strength, started getting some, some better quality needles and um, doing what I could for jewelry, you know, and I remember there was uh, these different companies. I don't, I don't want to say the names because some of them might still be in operation and I don't want them to, to get offended, but you know, I was ordering jewelry that was definitely made in China. 
It was really cheap, you know, you'd spend a hundred bucks and you get this giant bag of jewelry and, you know, you didn't care about any of it and it looked kind of crummy. But at that time, that's when I was like, you know, transitioning out of piercing in a a spare bedroom at my my mom's house uh, before I was like working in a shop, you know, and it was just like, yeah, do what you can. It's a barbell. It's a ring. I was doing flat prices. It was like uh, 20 for anything with a ring, 30 for anything with a barbell, you know, and that, that's what I, that's what I did for a while. You know, that's how I got my legs under me. If that was somebody doing it today, I would say you don't really have many excuses. You know, uh, I didn't have access to, um, uh, an apprenticeship. I didn't have access to mentoring, all that stuff. And I was doing what I could you know, watching Gauntlet Pierce with a Pro videos uh, in, in someone's bedroom and then practicing the piercings I saw in their bathroom, you know, like that was that was it, you know, and I, I could lie and I could pretend like that never happened. But, you know, that that happened 20 uh, something years ago, uh, got into some shops and started to figure out, you know, OK, this is bad jewelry. This is better jewelry. Uh, and then when I when I started my shop, I, I was not ready at all. I was a 20-year-old kid. I did not, I mean, you know, I knew how to push a needle through someone. Brian Skelly kind of refers to it as tailoring. You know, you're just pushing a needle from this dot to this dot. And there wasn't a lot of science behind it. And that's really where it began and ended for me. You know, I didn't really know a lot of the science behind it, the technique behind it, the, the different, you know, the the, the stuff that you, you learn over time. So, you know, I, I started trying to get in better jewelry and started looking around on BME and seeing what other people were putting out. And I was like, okay, there's, there's internal thread jewelry. And there were these companies, you know, industrial strength and anatometal and no chance could I afford them for a long time, you know? So, uh, I, I had some transitional companies, you know, some European manufacturers where it was made with titanium, you know, it's, it wouldn't be considered, uh, APP minimum standard titanium now, but it was titanium, which was better than the mystery steel, quote unquote steel that I was using. And it was internally threaded. So it was definitely a step up for me. You know, I, I did that for a while and uh, in, in certain sizes. And then there were other certain things where it was cheaper for me to do step down external. And if you're not familiar with that, you know, uh, standard external thread jewelry, the threads are going to be the same rough thickness as the, the shaft. So if you take a 14-gauge external thread barbell, put it up against a 14-gauge needle, the threads are still going to be exposed. Uh, step-down external threading was kind of a neat concept where the threaded section was um, a little bit smaller in diameter than the, the shaft of the jewelry. So 14-gauge uh, external threads could fit completely inside a 14-gauge needle. You didn't have to upsize the needle to hide the threads. It wasn't a, a cannula type situation where I'm using something to kind of hide the threads. So, you know, I thought step down was a, a big advancement for me and I could definitely afford it. So that that was a big part of my career for, for a long time. There was this point where I was like, I was trying to get everything that I could afford, but I was trying to uh, do it slowly, trying to work my way up. And, you know, I, I, I tried to figure out a budget and I was like, all right, this is this is the money that's coming into the shop. This is how much I need to pay my bills and to pay my my shitty apartment rent and and do whatever I had to do for from my life, you know, food, things like that, luxury items. Uh, and so I was like, all right, you know, I've got this much money left on average at the end. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna take this much money and I'm gonna put it into this European company, get some internal thread titanium for stuff like you know navel curves and this stuff, and then for yeah, you know, straight barbells and, and rings. I'm gonna order it through this company that has the the step down and they have good quality rings. They're steel, but they are uh, you know F138 uh, 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 steel. So you know that's basically APP standard. You know, and and that company would give you free needles. So that was a big bonus. And then I I started thinking, well, you know, I don't really like these nostril screws and a lot of clients don't really like these nostril screws. So where can I go from there? And then, you know, I I stumbled across Neometal and all these people were using that. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll get a couple things here and I'll get a couple things here. And it was this slow buildup, you know? So there was a, there was a, a big point, you know, maybe a couple of years where it was like, all right, I've got maybe a third of my stuff is internal thread maybe a third of my stuff is threadless and then maybe a third is step down uh, external thread and that's how it went for a while it worked out pretty good for me uh, by that point i was doing kind of like a flat rate 
but a little bit higher, you know, it was just like, you know, all these kind of basic styles, it's something more like 35 for something with a ring and 45 for something with a curved barbell, you know, and uh, trying to bring in a little bit more money and kind of work my way up. But, you know, I wasn't trying to rip people off. So I was trying to give them a better product and a, and a better piercing. Uh, and then the, the threadless jewelry really started to take off for, for nostril piercings, you know, and then everything kind of came from that. You know, Neil Metal was a, a huge chapter break in, in my career where I started to get in some threadless stuff and then it was like, okay, other people are coming in because they hear about how comfortable and convenient it is and they don't have to have this nostril screw hanging out of their nose and it's not going to fall out all the time like a nose bone or an L bend or whatever. So that was a huge thing for me. Started expanding that. I uh, started taking a couple chances with, with different pieces of uh, internally threaded or gold, you know, slowly starting to work into that, like around, there, you know, there was this period from maybe 2008 to 2012 where I was really trying to make as many improvements as I could, whatever I could afford, and, you know, it was like steps, like trying to climb up a pyramid, basically, and, it, it you know, it worked for me. Uh, then I slowly started to switch my pricing over from a flat rate uh, then it started to turn into like, you know, flat rate plus, you know, you can pay uh, these little add-ons, you know, if, if you wanted to get pierced with uh, the Neo Metal, it would be, you know, the flat rate plus $5 to equal it out or whatever. Then I, I, I made the, the decision to switch over to a, have a separate piercing fee and a separate jewelry fee. And at that point, it was really like, okay, well, I can't, I can't really justify, you know, still having these gold things or internal thread things or neo metal or whatever and then still have this like bargain basement external thread option so i dropped that and uh at the time you know and here's the really important thing okay like if you see me and you think that i'm doing good in my career uh i think it was around 2011 or 2012 i won a, a grand prize i won the anatomical grand prize at conference at the app conference and that was huge, you know, I remember, uh, you know, I, I bought, I don't know, like a thousand dollars worth of raffle tickets, you know, because I've seen, I've seen all these people win in previous years and I had won a couple of things. I had won, you know, some $500 prizes and, you know, I won like a $2,000 prize once. And that was, that was huge for me in, in my career at the time. That was huge for me. Uh, so this, this one year conference, I, I made a big gamble and I was like, all right, I'm going to drop a thousand bucks on tickets for the raffle and it paid off. It paid off huge. I won the Anatomical raffle where at the time that was a $12,000 credit. It was a thousand dollars a month for a year. And I remember, you know, uh, when I, when I won at, at conference at banquet, Barry Blanchard walked right up to me, you know, the person who owns Anatomical, and he just smiled and he said, you know, I'm, I'm really glad it was someone like you that, that won this, who's going to put it to good use and it's going to, it's going to change your life, man. And he totally did. Absolutely did. So I'll forever be grateful to, to Barry and Anatomical for, for giving me that opportunity. Um, you know, and that's really important to remember if you're, if you're one of those piercers out there struggling, you know, I didn't do it on my own. Um, if I hadn't won that prize, sure, I probably could have gotten to where I am now, but it definitely would have taken me, you know, another year or two or three or however long. Um, but at that point, it was like, all right, now I have no excuses. I don't have to get um, any of this external thread anymore. I can completely phase that out, you know, instantly. And then that was the last piece of the puzzle for me for APP membership. I had already upgraded my autoclave, you know, a couple times over at that point, you know, every couple of years I was upgrading my equipment when I could afford it. And I was going from this lousy ultrasonic and this top load autoclave to nicer stuff, you know, like I worked my way up to a, a Midmark M7, which was not great. But then after that, I worked my way up to a Tuttenauer 2340M, which uh, I still have in my shop today. It's actually got a dry cycle on it. Oh my God, everything comes out bone dry. It can actually sterilize hollow instruments, jewelry, needles, tattoo tubes if we needed to. We just we do disposable tattoo tubes, but you get what I mean. Um, so the jewelry thing was really the last piece of the puzzle for me for APP membership. And I remember having this conversation with John Johnson. He came up to me and he's like, uh, I'm, I'm making a bet with you. You have to be an APP member by the end of this year or you have to shave off your beard, which is a shitty bet because it's like, I didn't bet that. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do it or I'm going to shave. He was just like basically an ultimatum throw down the gauntlet. Like, you know, Hey, uh, you need to be a member. You know, what are you, what are you dragging your feet on? You know? And that's when I won that 
that prize. And so I was like, okay, literally I have no excuses anymore. So uh, I got to do it. So, you know, I, I ordered, I ordered jewelry. I ordered my first, I ordered my first anatometal order and it blew my mind, you know, and sure. I probably wasted a little bit of it on, you know, a couple new things for myself and uh, all that. But, you know, I, I stocked out my, my, my stuff with what I needed for, you know, initial basics, and at that point, it was like, all right, I'm not even going to try to phase this this other stuff out. I'm just going to toss it away. You know, it was just, it was low quality jewelry. I didn't need it in my shop. I didn't want to split my market. Um, that's something that I get from a lot of body piercers sometimes. You know, they're they're transitioning so slowly that they kind of hold themselves back. You do have to make some decisions along the way that can be hard decisions. You know, you get in a new batch of jewelry and sometimes you do just have to pull the old stuff from the case toss it. You know, if you, if you have the mentality of like, all right, I've got these hundred barbells and I paid for them and I really, I want to sell these. Or I want to use them all up before I start getting this other stuff. It's going to take you a lot longer. You got to look back you got to step back and you got to think, well, okay, those hundred barbells, how much did those cost you? Do they cost you like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, you know, just, just dump them, you know, get rid of them. When you're, when you're bringing in this new jewelry, you really want to think about the market you're trying to create and the clientele you're you're trying to create. So if you have these these clients who might be great people, they might be awesome people. Uh, when you start to bring in new jewelry, if they if they start kind of groaning a little bit and saying, "Well, you know, why do you want me to pay thirty or forty dollars for this barbell when you have these other ones here where you were only charging fifteen dollars for it or maybe even less or something?" Um, Sometimes it can be a really difficult conversation for you to just say, well, you know, we're, we're trying to upgrade our quality. You know, I, I don't really feel comfortable offering this stuff anymore. When you say that stuff, it can erode the confidence of the people uh, buying your, your products. And sometimes you do have to, uh, you know, move on from, from certain clientele. Uh, I've got clients, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to just push somebody out the door and be like, okay, you're not willing to spend more, so you have to, you have to go. That's not really what I'm talking about. Um, I've, I've had clients that have stayed with me since 2000, you know, since around then. And they've, they've followed me through all those upgrades going from my little hole in the wall crap shop with just the one sink and the tattoo room and going to my, my next bigger shop. And then, you know, new jewelry coming in and all the stuff and out to my new shop. Now I've had clients who have been with me the whole time and they've been awesome clients. And I think that they're just open-minded to like, yes, I, I understand improvement and, and where you want to go. And I want to support that. But, you know, to be totally honest, there are going to be clients out there where they're going to have a price ceiling. They're not going to have the same kind of priorities uh, that, that, that you might have. So if, you, if you're kind of stuck on that tier where you're doing these $25, $30 piercings, you know, and you're using this jewelry that you don't feel comfortable and happy using, uh, and you want to try to push and you want to try to make that jump up, realize that you, you might lose some of those $25, $30 clients. But uh, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to create clientele that's willing to pay for, for you know, a higher quality service. So it was a difficult transition, you know, when, when someone would come in six months after their last piercing and I'd say, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't carry that jewelry anymore. Um, I would love to offer you this new piece and I'd be happy to give you a small discount to try to, to, you know, get you into this new jewelry line or something, you know, make whatever concessions you can to keep regular clientele happy. But, you know, if you go that far and you say, all right, well, I would love to upgrade you to this or for your new piercing, I'm, we're going to give you this option and I'm going to have to, I'm not going to be able to give you these previous options that were cheaper. Uh, if those clients decide that they don't, that's not what they want and they, they want to go somewhere else, then, you know, I, I will feel sad to, to lose those clients, but sometimes you do have to let them go. That's really, really difficult to do. You know, you, you're not doing it from a place of greed. Um, you're not doing it from a place of, of being pushy or being arrogant. You know, it, at a certain point you have to realize like, I, I don't feel good about myself as a body piercer offering something that I, that I feel is inferior. So I, I want to step up. And I would love to do what I can to, uh, you know, keep you as a client. But there are there are certain people where they they just you know it's it's outside of their means or it's outside of their interest. Uh, when I started transitioning into the nicer jewelry, and I'm not talking just gold. I'm I'm just talking you know internal thread stuff, something with like a 
uh, a cubic zirconia gem instead of just like a plastic glued in gem. You know, those little increases. Uh, I did lose some clientele. I lost clientele that were regulars for months or years and I did feel bad, you know. But the clientele that I have now, uh, I love my clients. You know, even even the challenging clients. I love my clients and, and they come in because they know that I care about them. Uh, and I care about what I'm what I'm what I'm using on them. Uh, so my just like I'm upgrading my sterilizers and I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and that's why, you know, my my prices have to go up every now and then. It's like, yeah, okay, well, you know, I I built out this studio, I got this sterilizer that's very expensive. Um, you know, I I need to I need to make a living. I need to pay my mortgage. I need to pay my other mortgage. I need to pay my staff. I need to pay all this different stuff. You know. So if, if a client can't understand that and they say like, yeah, I understand that you're doing all these things and you're, you're buying all this new stuff and you're upgrading all the time and you're taking these classes and you're, you're increasing your, your knowledge and all, this thing, all these things, um, but you know, that $5 price increase is, is too much for me. You know, maybe we're not the, the right fit for you anymore. So uh, it can be difficult along the way. You have to make some tough choices every now and then. Um, but they're choices that uh, I'm, I'm really glad I made. Uh, I don't think I would uh, want to do anything differently if I had the chance to go back. So if you're out there and you know you you know where you want to get and you just don't know how to get there, just realize that it's baby steps. You know, don't let some big mouth piercer on Instagram or Facebook bully you or make you feel less than because we all started in the same place. You know, there are all these different piercers that I that I see now. We're putting out, yeah, awesome work. But five years ago, they were struggling in the same way that a lot of other piercers struggle. You know, they weren't using awesome jewelry. They they weren't doing straight piercings. They weren't doing things very clean, you know, and, and they've made improvements through hard work. Um, so if you want to get there, that's how you do it. It's just, it's hard work, you know, have a plan. A uh, business plan is really something that not a lot of piercers take the time to, to work out. And, you know, and if, if jewelry is a sticking point for you, it's all based on money. You know, so figure out a business plan. Do the same thing that I did. Figure out what your budget is. Figure out if you have any spare change once you've paid all your other bills. And then, you know, figure it out. Even if you only need to make, if you can make like a $200 order, that's great. That's always somewhere to get started. You know, you get that $200 order, you sell it, you roll it over, you roll the money in. And then when you have some extra money, then, you know, next thing you know, you're making a $500 order or a thousand dollar order. When I used to make jewelry orders, I, you know, 150 bucks would get me enough jewelry for, you know, a couple months. Uh, so then, you know, when it slowly started to switch where it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm putting together a $500 Neo metal order. Uh, that was big money for me at the time. Like that was a lot of money, you know, and uh, I wasn't making a lot of money. So it was, it was nerve wracking. You know, it was a chance. It was rolling the dice, uh, but it was an investment in myself and in my business. And I, I thought it was a priority and totally worth it. Uh, you know, so now if I'm making these orders that, you know, if a two to $3,000 order is like a, a moderate or small order for me, um, that, you know, I just want to have the perspective where I still appreciate the fact that I have the capability of earning that kind of money and being able to, to turn it around and sell it and know that I have clientele who's hungry to pay for it and, and wear it and, and send their clients, uh, send their friends to me uh, to, to get some more stuff done. So, you know, everybody starts somewhere. I started small. Most of the other piercers I know started really small. Um, you can do it. And if you ever have any questions or if you ever need any advice, reach out to somebody. You know, I'm always happy to answer any questions, whether it's on or off the show. Um, you can call me at my shop if you want. You can come to my shop if you want. Uh, give me an email. Give me a message or do the same thing for another piercer that you trust. You know, just get in touch with them and say, hey, you know, I, I want to do something. You know, I, I've got this much for a budget. Where do you think that money is best spent? You know, sometimes piercers get duped into buying like some fad thing, you know, like how many piercers do I know that bought uh, an anodizer before they even had like a full line of, of internal thread jewelry, you know, um, prioritize your money and, and think like, what kind of return am I going to get on it? You know, you don't want to have jewelry that's just going to sit around and not, not, not do anything. Um, so pay attention to it and ask some advice. You know, there are lots of shops out there, piercers, shop owners who have made mistakes with their jewelry ordering. I've definitely made mistakes 
when I won that anatomy medal order, you know, I had a year worth of like, you know, all this amazing jewelry I could get. And, you know, I, I made some mistakes. I got way too much variety way too soon, you know, and you, you kind of choke people with the options or you, you get colors that no one's ever going to want. So, you know, you got to spend your money wisely. And uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's like a pyramid. You, you base your, your future sales on your current sales and, you know, and you, you increase your orders step by step by step. And then before you know it, you're, you're making those awesome body vision orders. And you're like, okay, how many, how many pieces do I want to get in gold versus titanium this month or, or whatever? So uh, you can do it. Don't get tricked into thinking that all the other body piercers out there just, I don't know, like it was like a Jack and the Beanstalk kind of thing. Like they bought magic beans that grew into like a gold body jewelry plant. Like it's it's a struggle. Uh, don't think that those piercers out there who are doing awesome piercings now always did awesome piercings. You know, so if you feel self-conscious, if something's a little bit crooked or if it's not healing great, um, talk to those piercers that are getting good results and ask why and how they're getting good results. Uh, every good thing that I do now is based on a not good thing that I learned from, basically. So it's it's a struggle, you know, and the, the generation of piercers today who are really intimidated and really scared by all these other piercers, five years from now, you're going to be the awesome piercers on Instagram and on Facebook, and you're probably going to be intimidating the next batch of piercers that are coming up on your heels. Think about it in in that sense too. You know, uh, you want to help somebody up to your level. You don't want to hold them down so that you can kind of like own that plateau or whatever. Uh, you want to open the door for the the person behind you. You know, hold the door open. Um, someone probably helped you, and I, I think it's your responsibility to help the next person. And if there are piercers out there who think like, no, it's all mine, you know, you're you're maybe not a great a great. Uh, person i don't know just like be cool to people uh going back to the whole like you know internet thing although i'm so sick of facebook is um just don't be rude to somebody you know if somebody asks a question in a facebook group don't blast them because they don't know the answer it's like when people mock someone who's heavy uh because they're working out it's like they're working out they're putting in effort why would you mock that person you know uh don't ruin someone's enthusiasm uh so if someone's asking a question uh, give them an answer, you know, and don't just give them like a pretentious, like, oh, you didn't know this, like explain, like, oh, this is what you want to do. And this is why, and these are the other things I've done. And this is why I don't do them anymore. You know, uh, that's really the, the best way to do it. So, uh, try not to get super intimidated. I know it can be really tough, especially online. Keep in mind that it's not reality. All right. Those, those people, those personas, that's not really who they are. They're probably scared and they're probably intimidated too. And they're probably just hiding it by being a dickhole. So, you know, just take it with a grain of salt. Um, find the piercers out there that seem nice, that seem cool, that are putting out good work. And those are the people you want to make friends with and you want to start talking to, you want to make connections with. Try to get it off of Facebook. Call them, email them, go to their shop, talk to them. Shadow, you know, shadowing is about a lot more than just watching people pierce. You know, ask, hey, why do you carry this jewelry? How long have you carried it? You know, like, what do you think would be the, the best jewelry for me to carry in my shop if I don't have any of this stuff? Like, you know, what, what would work for me? I've had that conversation with a lot of people. A lot of people, I'm going to tell them, Neo Metal. You know, start with Neo Metal, start with, you know, some threadless jewelry, work your way up to a lot of these other brands. You know, um, there, there's a lot out there available to you. So, uh, stick with it. Try not to let yourself get too intimidated. Uh, try not to let yourself get too, uh, discouraged. It's, it's a struggle, you know, and I'm still struggling. I see piercers out there that have all this kind of cool stuff that I want in my shop and I'm working into my five year plan, you know? So, uh, I believe in you, you can do it. And if you ever want any advice, I'm here for you. Okay. So thanks to all those people that submitted those questions. Okay, I don't know about you, but I am sick of the sound of my voice, so I'm going to end the show now. Uh, I'm going to be back next week, and I'll have another interview guest for you. Today is a Sunday, and I have three different interviews scheduled between today and tomorrow, so I'll have uh, some content leading up to conference. I'm going to do some sort of like a get ready for conference episode with Baron. And then I'm going to do one, uh, I think, with TJ Kruger and one with uh, Shwayze from out in California. He came to my seminar a few weeks ago. 
And then, uh, you know, I'll start thinking about who I'm going to interview when I'm out in Vegas and try to get uh, some interesting content up for you, keep the show going. And again, if you want to check out that anonymous Google form, you can go to uh, piercingwizardpodcast.com or go to the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page. It's up there too. And give me some ideas for what you want to hear on the show. You know, do you still like the interview format? Do you want me to do more Q&A stuff? Do you want me to just talk about really specific subjects? Uh, You know, do you want me to share different stories about different things? Let me know what you want to hear because you're the people that are listening to this thing. Uh, So I'll be back next week and thanks for tuning in. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.